0: Hi, this is Tony
1: Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and framed Tony Cotty shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 65 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Rama, Jared Byan and Vladimir Sufao for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. No! <laughs> Andrei Yarmolenko has got to be trolling West Ham fans now as the Ukrainian winger scored again in his country's 2-1 win at Finland, straight off the back of pretty abject showings in his last three West Ham outings. Lucas Fabianski was given a guard of honour and was overcome with emotion as he played his last ever game for Poland. Pablo Fonaus was off the bench for Spain in the Nations League final. Suchek and Kral played for Czech Republic, Vlasic for Croatia, uh, Benrama for Algeria and Declan Rice was rested by Gareth Southgate for England against Andorra. And at time of recording, we're not quite sure yet whether he's starting against Hungary on Tuesday night, which is where... Uh, me, You find me and James Jones having a chat with each other. With no club games, West Ham United are still ninth in the Premier League and, more importantly, still first in Europa League Group H. Reese Bayliss is going to have a few weeks off the podcast for some personal reasons, so it'll just be James Jones and I for a while. So strap yourselves in as we cover the five games in three competitions that West Ham United have before the end of October. Jonesy, last week felt like somewhat the calm before the storm international break, always a little bit slower pace. General levels of football interest tend to wane a bit, but there's absolutely heaps coming up for West Ham, loads coming up for the podcast as well in the next few weeks. It's going to be a busy time for all concerned, mate. Uh, are you ready for it?
0: Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm sick and tired of these international breaks, as I'm sure everyone is, it's, um, particularly in a season when you're doing really well. And yeah, you're, you're kind of, after every game, you're looking forward to the next one. Um, but we've got, what, as you said, five between now and November. It, it's it's going to be, and particularly we've got what, Spurs coming up, City in the Cup, so some massive games coming up as well. So, yeah, buzzing for it. Looking forward to getting going this weekend, mate. Yeah,
1: 19 ga- nineteen days, excuse me, left until the end of the month, that time of recording. Um, yeah, so sort of less than uh, or more than one game in less than... God, that's- that's a difficult. What I'm trying to say, Jonesy, you yeah, <laughs> might have to walk me through this, mate. Uh, i was, did done the maths. I realised that it's it's around one game every four days. But because it actually works out slightly less than four days, I did the maths, but then I couldn't do the English in my head. But do you get what I'm trying to say?
0: I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: I think it's about one game every 3.9 days, but it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well, does it? It's not tight. that not the way I've delivered it as
0: maybe like every 60 hours or something like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but then I suppose when you start drilling down into minutiae minutes and hours, the general quality of the broadcast goes downhill, doesn't it? And it just turns people off. I think it's always better like we're doing now though to talk about it for two minutes instead of just uh, rolling <laughs> with it like I could have been in the first place. But um, yeah, never mind. So anyway, what, what I'm trying to say is, mate, West Ham've got quite a lot of games in the next few weeks, which will uh, which will be pretty exciting. Um, Jonesy, something else that's exciting. I know you like my links. Like that, but uh, exciting time for the podcast Thursday night. Me and you are having a little night out together, aren't we? Got to get suited and booted and dressed up all fancy. Uh, and why is that?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we've shouted much about it, but we've been nominated. Oh, very for humble, board. mate,
1: aren't we? We are very, very
0: humble. humble. Yeah. Um, some some of our followers on social media may have remembered a few months ago we were we were asking for people to vote for us at the football content awards. We were we decided to enter um, the Best charitable campaign for the work we did for alongside Betway last last season uh, and this season, but the award is for last season, raising over 12 and a half grand for for three incredible West Ham related charities, and um, we thought we'd just put us our, put ourselves in there, ask people to vote for us, and thankfully they did because we're we're nominated in the finals, uh, so we're going on Thursday night to the Royal Lancaster Hotel. Um Still, actually, have no idea where that is, but somewhere. Oh,
1: absolutely, isn't? I was just going to say that.
0: Still, yeah. none
1: the wiser. You tell me so, about
0: um, it. I need to find that out, and I'll, I'll send you the address, mate. But um <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going. Should be a good night. Uh, a room packed full of uh, content creators of all types. There's loads of awards, Um, and we're up for the best charitable campaign alongside some some other very wor- very worthy candidates in our field. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Even if we don't win, it'll be a be a fantastic night um yeah
1: you know,
0: so, so yeah looking forward to
1: it yeah, It's exciting mate um one thing i do just want to pull you up on uh when i text you about it and you sort of explained the dress code your response to me was a load of laughing emojis i can't and then the words i can't wait to see what you look like dressed up
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean i don't think i've ever seen you dressed up mate it's always sort of <laughs> casual about, or some really questionable clubber so um
1: <laughs> what about when we used to do the um do the the live radio show which is obviously the birth of this podcast in the studio in Southwark when we used to do that I surely I used, I used to come and meet you after work then didn't I I've, yeah, surely I had it's... some smart gear on then
0: there's there's smart office attire and then there's smart attire and um podcasts, I've never seen you in smart office attire so right. it's um the, the the dress code for thursday is um cocktail dress which i'm sure you've got you've <laughs> it's it funny over. you
1: say that actually yeah, um, yeah. it's not
0: black tie but it's it's smart so um i'll be i'll be probably be dishing out one of me one of my best blazers and probably a turtleneck as well i don't fancy a shirt i fancy a turtleneck
1: Mate, it's a so time I'm of year yeah, yeah, I'm glad we've got onto this now. Actually, fortunately, it's the international break, so I don't feel too guilty about the intro talking nothing about West Ham for about 15 <laughs> minutes before we, before we eventually get onto the international break roundup. Um, but on that note, then, so because my sort of provisional thoughts in the the wardrobe planning uh, was going to like, yeah, smart enough, um, some smart blue, dark blue trousers. I was going to go white t-shirt under. A Blazer, yeah. it's a bit like edgy isn't it nowadays. It's very nice like very... sky, Sport, sky sports pundit sort of vibes.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very Jamie Carragher.
1: Mm, um, yeah, I mean, that in itself puts me right off.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, like very, or it's like very Silicon Valley entrepreneur at a, uh, an event sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Jamie Carragher, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, which Mark one you're going to pick?
1: Yeah. But, I mean. Yeah, both like questionable characters, really, aren't they? I think yeah. Mark Zuckerberg on the whole probably doing slightly more damage in the world than Jamie Carragher's dodgy football takes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so just quick verdict then, because my go-to would, of course, be a, a roll neck afterwards if, if it's not T-shirt. So um, what we're saying, yes or no on the T-shirt vibes. Maybe I'll send you a couple of pics of me in the outfit.
0: Yeah, I mean, might as well send me a couple of pics. If you're going to go turtleneck, mine's going to be black, so just
1: don't. So it's mine, mate. So it's mine. Cause it's going to be black.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe Maybe um, we take pictures and we, we put mm. it to a vote on, on on the socials.
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I can. We'll get the listeners list to if, decide. I, I don't know if my ego can take that, mate, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> but, uh, well, look, exciting times anyway. Exciting yeah. to see what we'll uh, we'll both be uh, turning up in on Thursday. Uh, yes, thanks to anyone um, who did vote for us, for those already. Uh, we do appreciate it, And we're really proud of the work we've done. Um, again, massive thanks to Betway for that last season. Same again this year to raise that sort of money uh, for those three West Ham charities, Island's Fight. Dylan Tombidi's foundation and the Bobby Moore Fund means a lot to uh, to me and James. So we're delighted um, to have been recognised with this on Thursday. Uh, Josie, the West Ham women drew one all with Birmingham after the excellent win at Manchester City. Uh, they sit sixth in the WSL. A little bit annoying. You'd have liked to have built on that against a team that, that have not been performing well at all in the WSL this season. But Birmingham already uh, proven to be an Ollie Harder bogey side after that um, dramatic late equaliser they got against us last season. Uh, no games to look back on this week, mate, but that tricky fixture away at Everton to look forward to on Sunday. What have you been doing with yourself? I know I've had this conversation before, but what have you been doing with yourself uh, over the international break? Engaging with it or watching it or just having a little bit of a switch-off time?
0: Well, as as you know and as everyone knows, it's difficult to switch off when you work in the industry. Um, so switching off isn't really a thing for me, but I've watched i watched a fair bit of it. I watched it a little bit of Wales the other night. Um watched a bit of England at the weekend. Although the pub I went to to watch the England game weren't having it on. Sky was up the spout. So I had to sit there on the, in in the beer garden with my phone out, watching it on my phone, which was a <laughs> bit of a nightmare. Um yeah, it was quite funny. Um but yeah, yeah, I've been I've been keeping a close eye on it. I am mostly just keeping an eye on what what the West Ham players are doing naturally. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll go into that in a little bit of detail in a little while, mate. Eight players it was who went away with their um, international sides in the end. Mikel Antonio and Vladimir Sufal stayed behind. Um, So, yeah, we've got eight of them to to have a look at. A little rundown about what they've been up to. That'll be in part two. Just before we kick off the podcast properly, I know you're probably thinking, oh, no, please, can we have more fashion chat? Uh, Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about football. So uh, before we get into all that, uh, don't forget, you can follow us uh, on social media. On Twitter, we are at we are underscore West Ham. On Instagram, we're we are West Ham Pod. Facebook, just search we are West Ham Podcast for the group. Uh, the YouTube channel, it's the same thing. Just search we are West Ham Podcast. And you can email us, if you so wish, at we are West Ham Pod at gmail.com. Jonesy gets uh, a few video clips and stuff up on the Facebook page, which is gradually getting a few more likes and follows, Jonesy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, doing really well. I'm pleased with with the way people are engaging with them. Uh, yeah. I want to get more out though, so uh, very conscious of that. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the trouble is we need to save more interesting things that are only like a minute long, so I can so I can <laughs> clip them up nicely because I, I often Literally. I often am an R Which one's the best quote? So um yeah. Yeah, we just gotta make sure we say more interesting things from now on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just stop talking about t shirts and polo necks for fifteen <laughs> minutes on a football podcast, mate. I've baby. already touted
0: that as a as a good promo clip that's <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Thursday great. morning
0: before the event.
1: That's viral content written all over it, isn't it? <laughs> well uh yeah look so uh, you can find links to all of the ways you can follow and contact we are west Ham, uh, in the description to this podcast don't forget as well if you so wish you can buy us a beer or support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west Ham. thanks to those you've done that already and uh thursday some of that money we can guarantee will be getting spent on a few beers, as we've promised in the past. It'll only go on beer or equipment or guests to make the podcast better. So if you've already done that over at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham, do appreciate it. And if you so fancy doing it now, that would be great too. Just to let you know then what's coming up on this week's show, we'll have a little international roundup, of course. Like I say, eight players there: Yamalenko, Fabianski, Fornell, Suchek, Alex Kral, uh, Nikola Vlasic, Ben Benrama, and Depton Rice all the way. With their nations, we'll have a look into that. We'll do the Betway charity bets because we're looking ahead to that game Sunday afternoon at Goodison Park. Tricky one. Uh, We've got the three bets again. Those selections will be made in part three. We're going to do a little the the success of the news roundup last week, but it's not going to be West Ham related. We're going to have a little bit of a chat just briefly about the Newcastle takeover, what ramifications that might have. For West Ham and our thoughts on it generally pretty big news in football we'll do the West Ham women in that one all draw with Birmingham in a part five before once again we say goodbye for another week it's exciting stuff of course an opposition view with Tony Scott took head to that Everton game as well so lots to cover uh, no more fashion chat if we can help it I promise so the first thing is first we'll do international break next I started the podcast with this Jonesy, but surely Andre Yarmolenko is just trolling West Ham fans now. It's, it's just, it's getting silly. It was kind of a joke in the summer. It was, ah, oh, oh, he just always does so much better for Ukraine. Why does he never do anything like that for West Ham? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a bit funny. Scores again as his country beat two, uh, beat Finland 2-1 in the World Cup qualifiers during this international break. I don't, uh, it's borderline not funny anymore, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost because he, the last three games he's played for West Ham, he really wasn't too impressive at all. But um, yeah, he just, he, he just can't stop scoring when he pulls on the yellow shirt of Ukraine, can he?
0: Yeah, it is getting a bit silly now. Um, I wonder what David Moyes is thinking. Start, hmm. Hang on, mate, uh, you've got a club to play for as well, you know? And you're
1: not... <laughs> We're the one who pay you. Yeah.
0: Like, it, I mean, what a goal as well. He we scored the other night and, We've seen him do that for us.
1: Describe it, Josie, for those of uh, the listeners who haven't
0: seen it. Well he he, he picks the ball up.
1: I cut him from the right, bent one in the top corner from thirty yards of his left. No. Nah. Yeah. There we go.
0: No. no. I'm pretty sure I've been I saw it earlier. I'm just trying to picture it again in my head. Um I'm pretty sure it was a right foot right footed effort as well. Um Can't have been. P- picks the ball up sort of round centrally about thirty yards out, beats a couple of men. And then just pings it for about 20, 25 yards bottom corner. And I'm pretty sure it was his right foot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good finish. Um, and he just, we've seen it in stages at West Ham where he's threatened to do it, hasn't he? But I, I think personally, I put it down to the fact that when he turns out for Ukraine, he's captain. He's the big, yeah. he's the big, big fish. He's the big name and at West Ham, he's kind of you know he's a, he's a backup player he's a he's a fringe player um really gets a start he's often sort of on for the last 10 15 20 minutes of a game mm. which is difficult for any player to make a make a, a meaningful impact on any game when you're coming on with just 20 minutes to go and you're a little bit cold but even the games he started this season yeah he, he's he's a not the big fish guys. at west ham he, he's not the he's not the main man and i think he knows he's... that and, and that's reflected in his in his performances he's kind of like well it's almost like a almost in protest to the fact that he's not starting every week yeah um, it, i mean it, i am not saying he's deliberately playing no. badly but it's like going the, through it,
1: the motions isn't
0: it yeah i just think yeah, i mean especially when you consider the fact he's on what is the highest paid player at the club barely playing football um, well, one of the highest paid players at the club, yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: barely playing every week, you know, after a while, and he hasn't really
1: subconsciously,
0: no... he's probably thinking, Oh, yeah. whatever,
1: but he knows it's not going to change as well, doesn't he?
0: Remember, yeah. like
1: that's that's the other thing. It's not like, I if I start playing really well, I'm getting in ahead of Bowen and Fournells or no, it's like, or Ben Rama. It's like, No, you're not, mate. <laughs> you're, de- you're definitely yeah. not. And yeah, even when Antonio's not. injured, it's oh, maybe I'll get a shot up front. Oh, no. Jabba and Will, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he's just not got a future, is he? It's not going to change, and you just sort of feel like he just goes with the motions. And yeah, like understandably, he cares more, doesn't he, about Ukraine? And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. There. Just give us a little bit of an analogy, then, Jones. You what we talking like fish wise? You said he's a big fish in a small pond at uh, Ukraine. What we talking like great white shark level, or? I'm not Korygar. so
0: clued up. I'm not so clued up on my fish, to be honest.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I mean I don't
1: know. I don't know. I mean at West, Am, at West Ham at West we're just talking like your common goldfish, right? Household pet level. Three quid or the ones you win at the fair that die within two weeks.
0: Yeah. Oh it's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> Hopefully don't die <laughs> in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Yeah, I don't, definitely but, don't want him um, to
1: die. Yeah. Well, he does but, look like we won him at a fair though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe maybe like a maybe like one of those tropical fish that kind of, you know, pr- look quite promising but just kind of yeah, just yeah, yeah. sort of Float about.
1: Disappointing. Um, Meanwhile, there's yeah. like one of the the big ones that do the cleaning with them flat mouths that are absolutely massive, like Declan Rice, just bowling yeah. around everywhere.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Lucas Fabianski, mate. I think we'll move on from that. On that note, shall we? But <laughs> Lucas Fabianski, <laughs> um, he played his last ever game for Poland. Quite touching stuff, to be honest, mate. Uh, if you haven't seen the pictures already, he was subbed off during their game. I believe it was a win against San Marino. Um, and I think they won five nil or five one, something like that. Um, he was subbed off at around the hour mark, and his teammates gave him a guard of honour as he walked off the pitch. Massive standing ovation from the crowd, and he was in—he was in bits. He was in, understandably, again last ever game for his country. Uh, yeah, crying his eyes out. Bless him. Quite touching scenes, and to be honest, he didn't, he'd announced the decision earlier on. Um, in the summer or earlier on this year and Poland gave him that game as sort of like a, alright that's fine we'll come and say goodbye one last time um, which was, was quite nice and uh, yeah a bit of a touching stuff for Lucas obviously means a lot to him um, yeah I don't know if you've, you've seen the pictures mate yeah I have
0: yeah it was quite quite upsetting to see it's like watching hmm. like watching one of your
1: kids upset
0: about something
1: it's, it's even like, though we established yeah. last week he could be my dad
0: yeah he could be yeah yeah um, <laughs> And we're pretty much the same age, but you and him, not me and you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like how he had to get that one in. Yeah, it's just um, proper panicking there. But yeah, it was upsetting. But fair play to him. One thing that surprised me, though, you know, given the you know the standing ovation he got and quite rightly deserves it, but I always assumed he'd had more caps than what he did. I think it was fifty nine caps he had for Poland. And hmm. it
1: took him off 50, Chesney though, is not he? He's been up against. Yeah.
0: But when I was just doing, when I was looking up on it, and I thought, well, it must be close to hundred caps. It, mm. it, it isn't, and but that just shows how much they they respect him and, and love him over there. 57, the 57 it, caps, yeah, fifty seven, yeah. So, but that just shows that you know how highly regarded he he is in Poland. That you know only fifty seven caps of his country, but to be handed a, a game that you know you can you know start, even though you're not number one, and and come off to a standing ovation, you know, a guard of honour. Um, just shows the type of player that he's been for his country and obviously we know we know the type of player he is at club level, but I do wonder whether um, a lot of that, not a lot of that tears, but some of that emotion will have all already been borne out of the fact that, you know, he knows his career is probably winding down a little bit as well. Um, we've had the debates about whether mm-hmm. Ariola should come in for him at, at club level um, and I reckon... As part of him probably now going, well, that's international football done. Yeah. He's probably only got one or two, well, a couple of years left at the top, at the highest level. And that's not, not in guaranteed number one spot at West Ham now. So, no. so yeah. But what, what a servant for his country. Um, and mm. also what a servant for, for West Ham as well. And I was glad to see him so upset. But at the same time, he was mostly out of pride, wasn't it? I
1: think. Yeah, so. exactly, mate. Yeah. You've got to take your hat off to him, haven't you? Yeah. 57 caps to your country at a time. Yeah. Like at the time when you're up against uh, an Arsenal and a Juventus goalie or whatever in, in Wojciech Szczesny. So, uh, yeah, good luck to him. And uh, obviously, uh, yeah, sad to see him upset. But like exactly what you said there, mate, uh, obviously proud of it. Pablo Fornals, uh didn't play. Spain obviously um, lost in the final of the Nations League. They beat Italy 2-1 in the semis. And Fornauz stayed on the bench for that game. But, uh, yeah, then they played France in the Nations League final. On Sunday, that was, went 1-0 up through Mikel Azebel, uh, but then Benzema and Mbappe scored for France. Uh, Fornells did actually come on there, Jonesy. It wasn't until a bit later in the game, 84 minutes, so he's had somewhat of a rest, which is uh, which is pretty good, but it's, it's pretty it's good, isn't it? Having someone playing for Spain. I mean, obviously, Decker Rice playing for England is brilliant. I think it shows you the sort of level of the players in our, in our team at the moment. Uh, it's not as good of a Spain team as it has been in the last 15 to 20 years or whatever, but ultimately, he's getting in the Spanish squad and, and getting some minutes here and there just shows you the quality of the players that we've got on our hands at West Ham at the moment and that our work and the performances of the team are being recognised on the continent.
0: 100%. Um, I think Four Nows is probably the one I'm, I'm ha- most happiest for. I think over the last eighteen months he's been absolutely superb and this season he's been he's been brilliant for us. So he deserved his call up and when you consider the fact that there are Spain have got an incredible amount of talent, particularly in his mm. position um in attacking midfield and, and sort of out, out wide, that you wouldn't you wouldn't really be surprised if he wasn't getting a call up. You would know, be going. Oh, no, no. No, that's he's right. He's playing well. You know, would, you know, he's playing well enough to deserve a call up. But look at the players you've got ahead of him that are playing for much bigger clubs, playing the Champions League. Uh, the fact yeah. The fact that he's getting a call up at each international break and getting minutes. You know, he started a couple of games in the last international break as well. I think. So, yeah, fully deserved. Um, It can only be good for him and his development as well. And, you know, I'm quietly quietly happy that he didn't get many minutes this international break. Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, But, yeah, I'm delighted for him because he deserves it. And, you know, the way he speaks about West Ham and how much he loves the club and how he wants to Mm. retire at the club, you know, you can't can't not love him, can you?
1: No, no. His game's improving as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's working hard at his game. He's getting he's, better. He's getting better. Yeah, 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 he is, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Alex Kral and uh, Thomas Suchek went away with the Czech Republic, mate. Both men started in their 2-all draw with Wales. Suchek played the full 90 and uh, Alex Kral came off just before the end and uh, for their second World Cup qualifier, a 2-0 win at Belarus. It was only uh, Thomas Suchek that started the game, but um, Alex did come off the bench in that one. So, you know, Suchek particularly, I mean, to be fair, Kral only come on in the Belarus one in the 92nd minute, so it barely counts. So Kral's played 85 minutes of football, whatever. Thomas Suchek... I don't know. What do what you make of that? He's played two full games. Differing opinions of, of sort of the or what's responsible or why he's been in such poor form recently. You mentioned, I think it was you, mate. You just said he just looks knackered. I'm not so sure. It looks like a bit more to it than that. But if we're assuming that tiredness is at least part of it, in playing two lots of ninety minutes, not ideal.
0: It's not ideal. He's captain though, isn't he at Czech Republic? So. Um, and I think they've got still got some work to do in their group. It was a qualifier. I might be wrong on that, but I, rec- I seem to recall they still got a bit of work to do. So if if that is the case, I'm not surprised he has played played those two full games as as captain of his country. But it, it, at the same time, and I noticed it, it is quite worrying that if he is tired, he's mm. done 180 minutes going into as we've already established what five games in 19 days or whatever it is. Yeah, you'd um, like to think he'd, you know David Moyes is probably gonna give him a bit of a rest at some point between now and the end of the month, but you know you'd rather him be you know maybe just ninety ninety minutes under his belt, have a have a full week off as well, and then go again. But but yeah, I'm not really surprised. But one thing I'm, I'm glad Corral's got a few minutes to blow the cobwebs off. He's barely played since he joined the club. and no, he's only played that United yeah, just game. that
1: United game, isn't it? Yeah, um, so it's good for him to get a bit good. of a run
0: out. Yeah, yeah, I, I think what I, I get the feeling we'll see a lot more of him between now and at least the end of the year because, um, yeah, the the rate that I, the rate these games are coming up, the minutes these guys are getting in uh, international break, and we've got another international break in November coming up as well. So yeah. I think Kraus, we're going to start seeing a lot more Kraus. It's good for him to get a bit of a run out.
1: Well, we were even talking, weren't we, last week about the potential of maybe giving Suchek a rest and and Kral coming in and, and giving yeah. a chance to show what he can do. So that will uh, be interesting if that ends up coming to fruition. But he's obviously still behind Suchek in the pecking order at international level two, so... Uh, There we go. Uh, Nikola Vlasic-Jonesy for Croatia. They played uh, two games over the international break. The most recent one was a two-all draw at home to Slovakia. And Before that, they travelled to Cyprus and won 3-0. Vlasic started one of those and came off the bench in the other. Uh, He's another one, Jonesy, as well. Just sort of peripheral at the moment, fairly quiet. Uh, against Brentford, a little bit of criticism, but I'm not interested in what he can do this season. Or maybe towards the end of the season, perhaps that's a bit harsh. But like same with Ben Rama. I, I don't think Vlasich is a player for who we're going to see the best out of. Certainly in the next few months, I just think it's the same sort of situation where he's taking a bit of time to acclimatise to the to the league and to the players, and that his real quality we'll start to show through after a period of months. But um, again, is, is he one of those where you think we can afford for him to have the minutes or, uh, you know, we are obviously going to rely on him? Would you have rather seen him on the bench?
0: No, I think I think Vlasic getting some minutes is quite good. You know, he's not, I mean, I think he started the last couple of games at West Ham, but, um, you know, there's players ahead of him in the pecking order at the club. So, you know, if he does get some minutes, you know, we can afford to to rest him. Hmm. Um, he's, not, you know, he's not a starting 11 player just yet, I do think as you just quite rightly said, I do think we, we will start seeing the best of him back into this season and, and next year, I think I might be wrong, but you know, the last time he was in England with Everton, it didn't really work out for him, is that plan no, on his no. mind? I don't know um, or is he just a bit of a slow starter? We don't know.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I just don't think you can judge him this quick mate nah. No, nah, you can't. Definitely not. He doesn't look bad, does he? He's just like no, He you know, no, doesn't look bad. Just... I think, I think he'll
0: come good in Europe more so than anything. He's got uh, additional experience in Europe. So, um, hmm. but at the same time, as has really worked out exactly what what role he wants him to play in in, in the team right. yet. So, exactly, mate. yeah, it's way too early to judge him. But it's good for him to get some minutes because he's not he's not played a full ninety minutes for us yet. So he still probably need right. a little bit of work work on that sharpness a little bit.
1: Yeah, 68 minutes he got uh, in that Cyprus win and then he only came off the bench just after half time in the other game. So, you know, your time I've already tried to do maths once on this podcast, so I'm, I'm not going to do it again. I think he got around um 110 minutes of football approximately, which isn't uh too bad at all. Said Benrama, Jonesy played 90 minutes in Algeria's 6-1 win over Niger. Uh, but started on the bench for their second fixture against that same, exact same opponent, which is uh, going on now. Um, he's another one, James. Very, very important for his country, isn't he?
0: Mhm. Yeah. It's like you know, him and him and Mahrez are the two the two key key men for Algeria. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll, I'll be quite he, uh, I'll be quite happy I'm if he doesn't get many minutes
1: tonight. So they've, they've scored, uh, they, they, that game's just finished the second game. So they played Niger twice. Um, yeah, six, one in the first game, they've beaten them four nil away tonight. That was, um, and he's out of 10 goals there, mate. He, he hasn't scored one of them. I'm just checking. He didn't even come off the bench, uh, tonight in that second game, which is, uh, which is good news. Um, but yeah, also I, I say six goals in the first game and he, uh, he didn't get one of them. I don't know what he's up to there, but I perhaps he's just racking up all the assists, perhaps. Funnily enough, I didn't actually watch Algeria um, playing Niger in the, uh, the the World Cup qualifiers for Africa. So uh, I left the highlights. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure I can, mate. No doubt. Uh, and finally, mate, best till last. Uh, Declan Rice, rested by Gareth Southgate for England against Andorra um, as they ran out unsurprisingly comfortable winners after the pitch caught fire and all that sort of uh, <laughs> carry on. I think, Jonesy, um, it's quarter past seven at the moment, so we might even know the England team already. Yes, we do, and he starts. So, Declan Rice starting against Hungary uh, this evening. So, are you, uh, that's not really much of a surprise, is it really, mate? And I think I don't think you can complain against Southgate for that. Hungary, obviously, the more difficult game of the two, uh, he's left him out, not played him at all, Southgate, for the first one. Um, and he'll, I don't know, dep- obviously depends how the game goes, but you'd imagine he'd get a full 90 tonight, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm not surprised at all. He was so important in the, the away win at Hungary last month. Um, I was probably in Southgate's thinking, you know, he, he helped dominate that midfield really, really well against them. So, he's clearly gone for a stronger stronger 11 this time around and Decker Rice is, is a starting... Is in that strongest 11 for for Southgate. So I'm not surprised at all. And um, it probably do the 90 minutes, but the fact he was rested the other, the other day does help. So yeah, quite pleased with that.
1: Yeah. You take one, one game for me, won't you? Just fingers crossed. I mean, uh, obviously I don't want to jinx it. That game, England-Hungary kicks off in half an hour as we record. Um, Yeah. Just as long as we get everyone back fit really, isn't it? The minutes are, and neither hit, I suppose they do play a, they do play a part or in, you know, what uh, condition the players come back in. But as long as they're fit, that's that's all we're really bothered about, isn't it?
0: Yeah. All right. I, I, As I said before, I'm a little bit worried about some players getting getting quite a lot of minutes, i.e. Suchek, um, given the amount of games we've got. But you're I'm right, a bit
1: can... worried about the amount of minutes he's getting for West Ham, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, I, as long as they're all fit, as long as there's no little niggles that could disrupt the balance of the team, um, going into a very hectic schedule um, with a lot of important games, I think I think we'll be quite happy if we come through these these games unscathed.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, that's the uh, little international roundup. Then, uh, more than anything, though, mate, I know people are moaning about it, but. It's what comes with with success, isn't it? You know, having eight first-teamers out playing for their international um, or playing for their countries, it's just a a sign of success. We can only take it as a positive, can't we? Because all the big teams and the best teams, when the international breaks come round, they lose most of their players. And that's a sign that the players you've got are some of the best in the world. So, um, you know, all for it, I say, obviously important. Don't want to burn them out, but it's it's great to. I'm um, something I'm proud of. Yeah,
0: yeah, me too. And I think it could have been worse. Like Antonio pulled out. I think actually yep. Jamaica because of the travelling that was involved. Yep. Su Fal pulled out because he's had that recent niggle and I didn't want to jeopardise <laughs> that any further.
1: I'm surprised he wasn't dropped if the Czech Republic manager saw him last game.
0: Yeah, it's true, but but yeah, that's two two starting eleven players that have had a nice rest. Yeah, um, I think Antonio obviously is the most important one out of all of those. I was, I was, all the traveling he did, he could have done last time, but didn't play all the games. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it could have been a hell of a lot worse. But you're right, it is a sign of the direction in which West are going at the moment. The fact we've got so mm. many players out out
1: playing for their country. Absolutely, mate. Long may it continue as well. Uh, That's a little international roundup. We're going to do something a little bit different next. uh, Like I say, the the great success, positive feedback from the little news roundup section we did last week. We've got a little bit of time tonight as well because it's international. So we're going to just have a little chat about that Newcastle takeover, the implications to West Ham, what it means uh, for football as a whole and just our general thoughts on that. That's coming up next before the Betway Charity Bets. James Jones, Newcastle United were taken over finally uh, by the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. The Premier League have had legal assurances that the uh, PIF, as we will call it from now on, uh, are, not, are separate from uh, the Saudi government. Most people looking at it with an objective mind Are scoffing at that and find that almost impossible to believe other questions are raised of course saying even if they're legal assurances which is the bigger entity and how the premier league going to get on against in a legal battle against the saudi government or Mm. the you know the public investment fund who's chaired by the um mohammed bin salman who's the main man in in saudi arabia as well um it's, it's been a really interesting one, Jonesy, to be quite honest with you. Uh, my initial things you mentioned already, um, we don't talk about it too much, uh, but we both do work in the industry as well um, in sort of, you know, journalistic capacities, uh, slightly different roles, of course, but there or thereabouts the same thing. Um, and it's hard to come away from me personally mate from the jamal khashoggi stuff um huge question marks I, d- I just think from there it's hard for me to differentiate the two and people will argue about what football's becoming now and all football clubs are owned by big wealthy people etc cetera, etc cetera, blah 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 but for me there is a vast difference between and people have laughed at West Ham before West Ham fans and um, you know with our owners and where they've made their money in in porn or um, and then later on with Ann Summers and with with sex toys and and all that sort of stuff. In comparison, mate, it's com- it makes them look like evangelicals, doesn't it? I mean, you know, mm. I just think the two are worlds apart. There's like morally questionable and, you know, I'm not of that way of thinking anyway, um, but so, so perhaps some more conservative minded older generations might have a thing or two to say about the way that Gold and Sullivan have earned their money. Um, but it, it's it's a completely different league when you hear about the Jamal Khashoggi stuff, killing a journalist because he was an open critic of the country's government, uh, their abhorrent human rights record. Um, and I, I I don't know, mate. I just find it hard to to separate the two. And I think from now on, as as you sometimes see with Manchester City, for different reasons. I, I say different reasons in terms of I, I'm not I don't know as much, perhaps, or I haven't heard as much about the, the any human rights abuses or anything like that. In, and when the people involved in Man City, if they're involved in anything like that, but uh, whenever they win the league. People, they're less excited about it, aren't they? And there's like a bit of an asterisk by it, which there will be, whatever Newcastle do from now on, there will be an asterisk by it. Uh, fo- football football is changing, obviously, but I, I don't, it just makes me really uncomfortable, to be honest, mate. And, I, and I'm surprised that the level of outrage that there was about the European Super League earlier this summer, I was so, what's the word, my faith was restored in, you know, like humanity and football fans and humanity might be a bit strong, but football fans in particular, like taking a stand against something that was inherently wrong and that went against what our game is supposed to be about and the general level of, what's the word, like hit back or fighting back against this. I know it's different because it's not affecting everyone in the country, but the level of sort of criticism or or disappointment or anger at it has just left me feeling a bit flat again. I think, oh, blimey. And, uh, no one really seems that bothered. I know people are quick to go, well, <clears throat> excuse me, you've let it happen to Man City. You've got a, an oligarch in at, um, in at Chelsea and Roman Abramovich whose previous dealings are shady to 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 say the least or not you know do you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. there's question marks certainly about where his money came from and and all that sort of thing um and i I don't know that just i don't think that excuses it for me really i don't think that excuse just because you've like let one or two in that you just have to just be a free for all then and there's no there's no sort of moral boundaries or anything and the most baffling thing for me is the fact the way that the the TV rights piracy thing, um, where Saudi Arabia lifted the ban on being sports, and uh, there was a big like piracy issue, wasn't there? That the yeah. Saudis had allegedly been pirating TV uh, Premier League broadcast uh, rights, and it just just seemed it's just so wrong to me that that's the big hurdle there to get over, and once that was sorted, it was like oh happy days, we're fine then. It's like, what? How is that the thing at the top of the list of things you had to get through um, before it was okay? And people go, I oh, wasn't that. It was assurances from the from PIF about being linked to the Saudi government. Well, I think I'm one of the majority who scoffs when they hear the fact that they're separate entities. might leak. They might have got around it legally or managed to dupe the Premier League into thinking that think most right-minded people are of a different opinion um but it's, it seems a bit of a coincidence to me as well that as soon as the piracy issue was sorted that just happened to coincide with um when the assurances that pif was separate to the saudi state happened as well i know it's a bit heavy for a West Ham podcast um <laughs> fair enough and if you don't want to obviously feel free to skip to the the next thing but i just wonder what your thoughts are mate well, I think, you know, I, I agree that I'm
0: slightly surprised that there hasn't been more of a, a kickback from not just football fans, but sort of just society in general. Um, but at the same time, um, I did a bit of research on this on this PIF fund and um, they're very heavily invested in the likes of Facebook, Uber, mm. Boeing, mm. BP. Um which then leaves yeah, you with a bit Disney, of a I think. Disney as well.
1: Disney,
0: yeah. So the way I see it, and you know, absolutely, their their human rights record is is awful. Um, Jamal Khashoggi thing you mentioned, awful. Um, but if you start criticizing their investment in Newcastle United, then you kind of then got to criticize their investment in all the other things that you use on a daily basis. That's the way I see it um you know if you if you you're going on the facebook and and slamming the saudi arabian government and and you know their links to the pif fund for their human rights their terrible human rights record hmm. then you are kind of you're almost part of the problem because you're you're doing that on on a site that they're heavily invested in um and then you're going down to the petrol station and filling your car up at your bp local bp garage with petrol that they're heavily invested in Um, Hmm. You get an Uber on your night out the following week in a cab service, which they're heavily invested in. So you can't get away from it. As much as you want to, you can't. Um, Hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at. at. It's like, yeah, it's terrible. Um, Football could really do without people like that being involved in it, particularly, you know, the biggest league in the world, as it's it's so-called. But the fact is that they're here. They've got control of Newcastle. There's nothing we can do about it. Um,
1: Well... Yeah, I mean, I, just, I, you... I mean,
0: the, or I say there's nothing we can do about it. Like they're not gonna. The, the club's been purchased now. Right, transaction's oh, done. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mike actually ain't gonna go. Oh yeah, right. I'll take it back. I'll give you a refund. <laughs> nah, he's nah, out. Nah. He's out. He's out of here. Um, the the only thing I see happening is that things like fina- the financial fair play thing it, it will probably be tightened, um, and and more heavily enforced.
1: Yeah, but prevent... that doesn't affect them until they're in Europe, does it? Why well, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, League, yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: because they barely spent anything over the last four years. I think they can spend. Two, <laughs> yeah. I can spend two, yeah. two or, or three hundred million quid in January and still be alright for another three years.
1: No, because we've got seven billion in, the, in, in the credit yeah. with the financial yeah. fair play.
0: But you know, I, I think, I think eventually that will that will come into play, or the Premier League will bring in their own. You know, well, they've already got something similar to the the UEFA's financial fair mm. play maybe they might crack down on it a little bit and go, like, okay, yeah, you own a football club, you own Newcastle, you're the richest, now the richest club in the world. But here's a bunch of sanctions that are going to prevent you from pretty much taking over and doing what you want. Um, mm. That's the only way I see anything being done that's going to kind of you know, stop them from becoming this, this force and yeah. I, I don't think I mean if, if you allow them and I have to be fair I mean I haven't really got a, a problem with Newcastle United becoming a force like that like if it's not, if it wasn't Newcastle it would have been another club like and if it was our football club regardless of whether it's the salaries or not if it was our football club suddenly becoming the biggest club in the world uh, or the richest club in the world then you'd be going all right okay interesting like and you, you'd be excited about it
1: but do you not so think I'm right, not I'm and... not.
0: I'm not holding. I don't care whether Newcastle are now going to go on and win Premier League titles and Champions League and stuff like that. Mm. I don't, what what I care more about is the fact that the more clubs that get bought out in this way with these sort of you know very incredibly rich beyond comprehension owners, it does remove the the competitiveness out of the Premier League. Of course League It does, mate. Football, of course, and football all day. You know, so things have to be done. You know, if you've, if you've got, you know, we always moaned with the Super League, you, you moan about the top six or the, the, the big six, the greedy six. Hmm. Um, you know, questionable whether one or two should have been in there. But how long before that becomes the greedy 10 in the Premier League? You know, and then once you've got 10 Premier League clubs wanting to do a Super League, then the Premier League's kind of in a bit of trouble because it's not hmm. six, it's 10. Um, nah. And what happens to the other 10 clubs? Now, even if a Super League doesn't happen and you've still got 10 clubs that are are in the top 20 richest clubs in the world, which they mm. all technically are, really, if you look at the the, uh, the Deloitte thing that comes out every year.
1: Yeah, West Ham are dominant. Sound like West Ham are like 20. I think
0: or we're like 20 richest yeah, club yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, and we've like, you know, a couple of quid behind the sofa to the likes of Newcastle now.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> so that's the way it's going. But the more people like, you know, Newcastle's new owners start coming in, and they'll see what's happened at Newcastle and go right. Well, okay, well, if they can buy a football club, then so can we because there's plenty more of him around, mm. um, and the PIF fund around. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I'm worried about. That's so the fact that Newcastle now the richest club in the world because I'm happy for their fans really because they've gone through very similar to what we've gone through in terms of you know problems with their ownership and or, or sort of you know disagreements with their ownership. Um, They've now got what they wanted, um, beyond all their wildest dreams. Um, aside from mm. all the, you know, the fact that it's you know, a very questionable buyer, um, to say the least. But I just don't want it to become Newcastle, Man United, and Man City just fighting for the league every year, which is a real possibility at the moment.
1: And Liverpool, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hey, I, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. I just, I just, I mean, people will say, won't they, that football was warped. Long, long ago. And people always point to all right, well Blackburn won the league, but that was Jack Walker, you like bankroll in it. Again, that was like a there was a direct correlation even then between amount of money put in the league. And, you know, if, if it was all down to me and I appreciate this isn't realistic, but I like I love the NFL model where there's salary caps and there's uh, I know it's different because it's a draft system. I get all that but there's salary caps and spending limits and, and all that sort of thing. And the way it works with that draft thing is that uh, the worst performing team then benefits in the next draft window and all that sort of thing in the, in a bid to keep it fair and competitive. Um, and on the whole, certainly compared to the Premier League, it does work. I, I know that's not feasible now and I know we're too far down the road and all that, but I just think, I think that, mindset that's crept into so many fans now and I understand why it has that's just like oh well you know men city have done it psg have done it it's happening everywhere there's nothing we can do that apathy that that breeds that's the most dangerous bit of all of it mate because at least with the super league everyone stood up and was like nah this is wrong um and it just feels wrong with newcastle for on lots of levels obviously the the people who are buying it it's the main one but like you said I just think the fact that someone can come into the league and just decide now, oh, Newcastle are going to be good, it's almost the percentage of, like, what's important, i.e. the finances your club, your owners have got and the quality of your manager and blah, blah, blah. It's just so warped now. Mm. It's just like there's people on the radio talking, and it is, it's basically when, not if, Newcastle will win the Premier League now, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's be honest. Like there's it might be it might be ten years. I'm not saying it'd be straight away. Oh, yeah. But ultimately with, with that amount of wealth, they can just do exactly what Man City have done, where you just have the best of everything, don't you? Yeah. Right. That, as in training ground manager, coaches, mascots, like <laughs> yeah, think... bloke who bloke kit man, bloke who cleans the seats after this. you know what I mean? Like for every single part of the club. It's just like transformed overnight. And at least when Man United were dominant, all right, it was somewhat boring, but at least that was built off the back of genuine success on the pitch over a longer period of time. It felt more organic. And I realised that slowly they kept adding to it and and then they turned into a financial powerhouse, which meant that then they could pay the biggest players the best money and blah, blah. But it did tend to happen a bit more gradually didn't it and that and you ask most people why man united was so successful when they were in the 90s 2000s whatever 95 percent of people will say sir alex ferguson right Mm -hmm. if you ask those same group of people why man city have been so successful they'll say because they had loads of money although a lot of it is undoubtedly been because of pep guardiola but it you know they won the first title before he got there,
0: Probably and wouldn't.
1: they wouldn't have been able to attract him, would they? With okay, yeah. without the the money that's there, and that is the way football's going now, isn't it? And I just and I know what, I do take your point to an extent about Facebook and Disney and all those sort of things, but I just think with those ultimately we've all got a bit more of a choice with that. In terms of you know if you want to stop using Facebook, you got Instagram or you got Twitter or you got. I don't know myspace or <laughs> whatever else is a, a thing, and if you wanna if you don't want to watch things on Disney, then you can watch things on Netflix or Skygo or now t v or whatever no one's got an emotional attachment to any of those things have they they are just pure corporate interests with which no one has an emotional attachment <clears throat> and that's why people say isn't it the sports washing so dangerous and such an appealing target for Organisations such as the, the PIF or Sheikh Mansour's group or the guys with FSG have got um, Liverpool, is because the consumers, aka the fans, don't really they don't feel like they have a say, do they? I mean. Granted, lots of fans, there might be people listening to this going, well, yeah, I haven't been to London Stadium since we moved because of that reason. So you can do it if you want. But ultimately, and that's admirable, those sentiments, but ultimately the majority of fans will still continue to go because they've got one football club and they always have. And if not, you'll just get a new breed of, of supporters yeah. anyway who don't care and they're just there for the show. Um, yeah, and it just the whole thing just feels a little bit jarring because then you think now, based on Newcastle can go from putting zero effort into the Premier League for the past however many years. Mike Ashley was there 14 years, wasn't he? But putting in virtually zero effort into being a, a that good of a football team, right, they didn't really want to, they just stagnated basically, didn't they? They went down a bit, come up, but ultimately they just stagnated. And just because some mega rich person somewhere that's now going has decided they want to buy a club, that's now going to change the course of history. You can't help but think because there was such a poisonous atmosphere up there regards to Mike Ashley, that would have played a huge part in the the decision to buy Newcastle because there's going to be even less kickback against it because the Newcastle fans' joy was no doubt split the percentage will be different across all of them for sure but split between joy and mike ashley's leaving and then like joy again that the people that are coming in and not only is it going to get rid of mike ashley we're also going to be the new man city and we're going to win the league they would have taken anyone wouldn't they mm. so i don't begrudge them being happy for the for mike ashley leaving by any stretch of the imagination but from just a You know, because people argue that he just exploits cheap labour with Sports Direct and all that. Uh, And I'm I'm sure there's plenty of moral things that Newcastle fans could bring up about that guy as well. But I just I don't think that just because you've already got someone who's a certain level, you just let the badness keep going without any sort of resistance.
0: Yeah, I do agree. I I, I do completely agree with you, mate.
1: Um,
0: It can't be good for the
1: game of football, can it? That's what I'm saying. Well, no, it
0: can't be. On any level. No, um, I mean on a on another side of it. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going to the footballing side of it rather than like the ownership side. But um, I mean, you briefly touched on it earlier that you know it's not going to happen overnight. There, you know, it's, it's not going to. I'm sick and tired of reading that you know Newcastle linked with killing Mbappe and they're going to sign <laughs> Neymar and Harry Kane wants to sign for him now. And it's just like oh shut up! Like it's just what player at that level, in their right mind, would want to sign for Newcastle right now. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, g- genuinely. Like, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, but for the money. Like, no. like, No player is leaving a club playing in the Champions League, mm. which, if they're that good, probably playing for a club that's favourite, one of the favourites to win the Champions League, to play for a club that is, has, hasn't yet won a game in the Premier League this season, is <laughs> second from bottom. As things stand, still has Steve Bruce as manager. Like, these things are going to take time at Newcastle. Probably more time than it did take for Man City. I think it took Man City four years to win their first trophy. Hmm. Um, yeah, okay, they brought Rabinho in on that, on that day that yeah, they also yeah. bought the club on deadline day, but it was didn't have terrible, though,
1: <laughs> yeah, It was <laughs> rubbish.
0: <laughs> he thought you signed for Man United, didn't he? And you've got you've got to really look at it and go, well, okay, they're now the richest club in the world. But it doesn't mean to say that. By May next year, they're going to be lifting the Premier League title. And that's the we're going to see then for the next decade. Um, we're not going to see Mbappé running out of St James's Park anytime soon. Hmm. It's going to take probably five years to get anywhere near the Champions League, let alone win it. Um, so. But
1: I mean, City still haven't won it, have they? The
0: exactly. Champions League. exactly. They're probably going to cut the Premier League titles within the next five, six years, maybe.
1: Um, but even but that, I, think, mate, I think even that's, just like, I think even where's that,
0: the, that's a massive push for me. It? that's a massive push for me because it took city I think f- what five years to win the title mm. um, and when they when they were bought out they were already um mid-table I think I think they were eighth when they were when they got bought out in the Premier League It was about five or six games into the season but the season before they'd done pretty well because they they'd spent a lot of money mm. um, under um, their previous owners. So yeah, they in were fact, already. Art trail, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. he's he thrown quite, quite a fair few quid in there. <laughs> Money that he be. didn't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so if you compare, if you want to compare the two, then City were in a far better position when they got their mm. um, sugar daddy compared to <laughs> compared to Newcastle. You know, Newcastle like you need to wipe them off the floor before they'd be able to walk again. Mm. Whereas City were, you know, they were strolling down the road like, you know, looking, you know, doing, doing okay. Good
1: doing yeah. all right um i read a funny report in the week mate that said um newcastle uh got advisors in who had or newcastle yeah got professionals in who had advised that the squad is lacking in all areas. <laughs> it's like a report so, you get like, a football manager, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paying someone like 200 grand to do a proper in depth report. And it's like, yeah, literally every single position you've got is turned. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> apart
1: well, from that, apart from obviously Sean Longstaff, who's as good as Declan Rice, isn't he? Oh, so, yeah.
0: yeah. Apparently, talking of Declan Rice, what annoys me most is Rio Ferdinand coming out on his YouTube channel and going, oh, three players Newcastle should sign now the richest club in the world. Uh, Well, Jesse Lingard, which isn't a bad shout, actually, to be fair. Mm. Uh, Raheem Sterling and Declan Rice. They're the three players you mentioned.
1: Former PAI Capital Ambassador for the West Ham takeover Rio Ferdinand.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mm. West Ham legend, apparently. It's the second time in about four months he's he's publicly (laughs) said a club should buy Declan Rice. But like what world are we living in where Declan Rice is going to move from West Ham playing in the Europa League in West Ham in the Europa League to batting against relegation for Newcastle like I don't understand the train of thought and why would Raheem Sterling sign for them as well at this moment in time he's talking about January he thinks they're just going to buy these players in January and I just like what's going on like Newcastle aren't buying that calibre of a player anytime soon it's just not happening City did it <laughs> by buying good players from teams around them in the league. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That way. You now, they bought like yeah. Gareth Barry and, and players like that. Newcastle, good players the teams around them who you know, might be able to sign to be cut fair the, the Burnley players and, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe one of Norwich's, or maybe pinky up front or something like that. Dwight McNeil. Well. <laughs> Dwight McNeil in. Um, Southampton might have one or two players they might be willing to sell, but they're not, they're not signing Mbappe, Sterling... Dick and Rice, they might get Lingard, but was not a bad shout in his game time.
1: Mm.
0: Other than that, I mean, come on. Like, the whole thing's just completely clouded people's judgment on so many different levels. Um, yeah, and that's what's annoyed me most, apart from the fact that one of the Premier Leagues, a, a guy sitting at the Premier League uh, table, um, isn't probably a very nice person, um, mm. to
1: put it mildly. Putting it mildly, mate, and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just think it's one of those things that sort of it almost just made me feel a little bit. I think yeah, everyone knows, don't they? Really, that football's a morally corrupt game. I think it, it, people probably think if you're looking for football for like you know moral guidance or whatever, then you're definitely looking in the wrong place. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just seems like anything goes these days, doesn't it? It's just like oh. if that's if that's okay, then like, where's the line anymore? But I think that's yeah. a wider society thing as well, isn't it, mate?
0: Yeah, just, just lastly that I think I think you're right it is a wider society thing. But I think just lastly, I think there are quite a lot of people now, they just want to watch a game of football. Like all the politics yeah. and all the all the additional stuff that goes on off the pitch. A lot of people just want to rock up on a Saturday afternoon, watch ninety minutes of football, meet up with their mates before and after a few beers and then go home and you know, yeah. the team wins, brilliant. If the team loses, yeah. then it's a little bit of a bummer for a couple of hours, but you kind of just move on now. A couple um, of days, weeks, um, the, months. Yeah, you go on afterwards and have a, have a rant <laughs> about the referee and things like that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, really, people just want to watch a game of football for 90 mm. minutes and the rest of it, they'll just let everyone else kind of deal with it. And I think that's probably why um, we haven't really seen much of a kickback from people because yeah, the Super League threatened... Threatened that chance of people actually going live to watch a game of football. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah, this, yeah. Hasn't, this hasn't. It just means that there's going to be another good team competing mm. in the Premier League
1: on um, unfair grounds. But yeah, I yeah. know what you mean, mate. Yeah. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you've uh, you've summed up the uh, the piece quite nicely there, Jonesy. And I used to, I would used to say, oh, you know what? You know, I'm going off the Premier League a bit. I'm just going to go back to my roots and start going to watch South End like I used to. I used to go. At,
0: Watch so Southend at
1: home. Every, no, every time, uh, every time I went, were away and I couldn't go. I'd just go and watch South End at home. Watch them in the championship. What a season that was. And, uh, yeah, so they're about to go bust. So, um, where's the Saudi-backed takeover uh, looking to buy Southend? Stan have a Collymore's spare.
0: offered himself out, they? oh,
1: they're, 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 He's involved at the moment. They sacked Phil Brown, Hull City legend Phil Brown uh, as manager the other day. And, yeah, um, yeah, Stan Collymore's on a four-man panel, including the absolutely shambolic, in denial owner Ron Martin, to pick a new manager. It's just an absolute circus, and that's pretty sad as well. <laughs> so it turns out, mate, football's just rotten from bottom to top. So uh, yeah, but look, if there, uh, if, uh, I hope you enjoyed um, our section there. But like James said, appreciate a lot of you just. Don't want to hear too much about that. Um, I appreciate sure it's not really West Ham linked, but obviously a big story. So, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if it's not your thing, we don't want to, uh, pile that sort of stuff on you every single week. But a big uh, story that in, in football, is something, um that I particularly felt pretty strongly about. But back to West Ham in no time, because next up we've got the Betway Charity Bets. No Betway charity bets last week, Jonesy. It was international break, of course. We are doing all right this season so far, aren't we? As I mentioned, Reese is taking a few weeks off of the podcast, but he will be still chipping in with his bet every week. So uh, we, we're obviously still in. We have a chance of winning some money for Isla's fight, who Reese is playing for this season. Jones is playing for the DT38, Dylan Tombeadis Foundation. And I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund with the £50 charity stake that Betway give us for each and every West Ham Premier League game. This season, Jonesy. I don't know if you've got the uh, the current standings up there, but um, should we run through a We'll run through the Everton bets first of all. You can tell us what one you've got. Uh, I'll run through mine and Reese's, and you can get up the the current standings for this season.
0: Yeah, so for the Everton game, I've gone four. It looks like I'm the only one that fancies goals this this weekend, but I've gone over two and a mm. half goals. Uh, to, Tommy Suchet goal. I know we were. We we're questioning his place in the team, but I think he will play. He got the winner at Goodison Park last last season, little smash and grab mm. up there. Um and I've gone for Nikola Vlasic to get a goal or assist up against his former side, <laughs> yet to do anything for us. I fancy him to go out to his old stomping ground and um, and potentially make an impact.
1: Yeah, I mean, despite you calling Nikola Vladić in the the group <laughs> earlier, I did <laughs> I did like the uh, I did like the sound of that. The old you can hear the fairy tale headlines already, can't you? Uh, back to his old club where he he sort of stuttered and didn't do much, and goes back and and gets the winner. I just think Everton uh, they're doing well this season, aren't they? Um, looking pretty good under Rafael Benitez. We'll hear from Tony Scott of course, in the next section to hear his thoughts on the Toffees. But I've gone for for the first time ever, Josie. I never, ever do this. But I've gone for one all, uh, at least one goal in the second half and less than 10.5 corners. I don't know why I did that. I've just got a funny feeling that it's going to be one all. I think it's going to be a really cagey game. Everton have looked good and organised. I think Moise will be quite happy Uh, as I would be, to be quite honest, to come away with a point up there. Uh, So I think it's going to be a cagey, edgy game anyway. I hope that we would get a point. Um, Yeah, and the other two, after I've gone for a score, that's going to make the odds fairly large as it is anyway so after I'd done that I wanted to stay pretty vague or pretty like guaranteed with the other two so I went yeah more than 0.5 goals in the second half less than 10.5 corners overall Uh, Reese has gone for under 2.5 goals there to be a penalty awarded in the game and Kurt Zuma anytime every time I see one of you throw the old Kurt Zuma anytime in I do get a little knot in my stomach because I think oh I'm that is going to happen sooner or later. I'm not sure about the penalty, but um, yeah, not so bad. So as always, though, if you like the sound of any of those bets, you can back them in real life for yourself on the Betway website or app. Just go to that West Ham v Everton game this weekend. And under pre-built bets, you'll find uh, the We Are West Ham podcast bets. They'll have my name, Reese's name and James's name against them. You can back them for real if you like. Jonesy, what do you make of uh, mine and Reece's in? Which is bold. Uh, I like it though. Mm. Um, started off well with a one-all correct
0: score. Yeah, I think we don't. N- n- none of us have ever really done a correct really score. really do those, do we? No. Um, and then the rest of it kind of goes predictably safe from you. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean the odds, odds on that should be pretty good. And, and Reese, I always, I almost went for Zuma because of the potential for a fairy tale. He was there on loan a couple of years ago. Mm. Um. So yeah, maybe maybe there is a fairy tale in the offing, but. I'm a little bit worried I've now put that in because I'm the only one that's gone yeah, it's gonna be goals in this one. And you both you and Reese have, have played it safe with another two and a half and a one all draw.
1: Yeah. I just oh. love uh Moisey and Benitez are pretty like organised, disciplined managers, aren't they?
0: Yeah. But they you say that, but we've been pretty good attacking wise, haven't we? So we can mm, go forward or defensively,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, again, mate, there's, there's sort of there's value in all of those, isn't there? Surely one of us has got to get a winner out of uh, out of those, three, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm How will it affect Jonesy? Yeah, I bet you are, mate. How will it affect the uh, the leaderboard and and the money we've raised so far this season? Then,
0: well, obviously we don't know the odds, but at the moment Reese is leading the way with five hundred and twenty-five quid in the bank for Isla. Um, I'm st- I'm yet to have a win for for DT38 Didlington Zambidis D- Foundation. You have got 225 quid will uh, with a fat asterisk next to it. After <laughs> like Newcastle 11, I
1: win the league.
0: Yeah, yeah. After you bully Chad into paying out after Noble's miss penalty against United. So if you take into account Betway matching at the end of the season, that's 1500 quid in the pot.
1: Excellent, mate. Excellent so stuff. Bad. No, nope, fingers crossed for another winner this weekend as well. And coming next on the We Are we Stand podcast, we've got our opposition view. It's Tony Scott. He's been on the show before, he's a great friend of ours, and he'll be able to let us know. Declan Rice, um, sorry, Everton, Josie, I don't know why I mentioned Declan Rice here, but Everton have been strange this season, haven't they? Everyone was kind of taking the mickey out of them um, for the signings they made, sort of unfashionable. Uh, yeah, Andrews Townsend being the, the main one that people are quick to snigger at Damari Gray they bought in as well and they're, they're, they're doing well aren't they
0: yeah they, they always start the season well I don't know they're always quite good starters and then they tend to particularly over the last sort of five or six years they tend to slip away post Christmas so it would be interesting to see what they do this season but they've started well um, got rid of a, a couple of bad eggs um, bought in I think, I think a decent manager and a couple of just on, good, honest Premier League players. Um, everyone laughed at Andros Townsend, but mm. uh, does a job, did a job for Palace all those, for all those years and, and is doing it again for, for Everton.
1: Jonesy, West Ham women, fabulous win our way at Manchester City the last time we spoke. Stuttered a little bit. One all at home to Birmingham. Oh, sixth in the WSL, which is still really good, but it's just, it's just frustrating, isn't it? One nil up in the game, uh, and conceded soon after. I just, I don't know. It's, uh, if you'd have taken, you'd have taken four points out of the two games, wouldn't you? City away and Birmingham at home. You'd have snapped someone's hand off. It's just such a shame. We could have made it. Uh, three wins from three, although that does mean the girls are unbeaten in four. Claudia Walker putting Oli Harder's side up after 54 minutes. Louise Quinn equalising just 13 minutes later. West Ham had 65% possession to Birmingham's 35. All the passing, all the passing accuracy. Nine shots, three on target. Birmingham had nine shots, two on target. Um, yeah, just a little little bit of a little bit of a shame if they'd have got the win held on for the win they would have gone above brighton and they would have been fifth just uh yeah on level with points with man united in fact no they would have gone fourth because they would have gone above man united on goal difference um how are you looking at it pragmatic and thinking we've got four points from two games we would have probably predicted and hoped for three from to stop being negative will or once you've got the city points in the bag you want to go again and capitalise and, and uh, can make it six points from six.
0: I think, naturally, you're, you're disappointed after the City win. But if you look at it, if you take a step back and actually look at the season that they're having so far, then, you know, you, you kind of got to go there. Yeah, four points out of those two games, absolutely fine. And it it looks worse because before the game, Birmingham didn't have a point on the board. They'd only scored one goal in four games. <laughs> Well, yeah, eleven. Um, and you could go well. I mean, if you if you're winning away at City two 0 you should be should be beating Birmingham. But you know, I think we know more than anyone following the men's team all our lives that you know the West End Football Club just doesn't it it doesn't run like any normal football club. Things don't things don't happen the way they should do. Um, so, and it's that seems like it's rubbing off onto to, to the women's team as well. But they're having a good season. They've started well. they yeah. beating four. You can't you can't be too disheartened in that. And um, you know we've got a cup game and cup game in a week, and then they go again in the league. So I think what we've seen so far already is that it's looking very unlikely. Touch touch word. i look, try not to speak too soon that we're going to be in a similar position as we were last season in terms of relegation battle, looking over our shoulder. Um, you know, there what, are but we're not
1: we're not going to be like that. You mean they're not
0: going to be like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, um, I know it's only one one team goes down, but there are at least three teams in the WSL that are that are far worse than we are. Probably four. Um, so yeah, nothing to worry about. I don't think. Just frustrating that we can get the win, but and move on. They're, they're playing really well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the hilarious bit, isn't it? Birmingham City. Didn't have a point from their first four games, conceding goals hand over fist. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's only their second goal they've scored all season, let alone um, the amount they conceded. So with that, I mean, that was a little bit frustrating and sort of tinged with a bit of uh, gallows humour. But like you say, Leicester's still down there. Zero points after five games. Birmingham in trouble as well. Even Reading, three points from five. Um, so, yeah, definitely not going to be a relegation scrap, which is good. It's just a shame. It would have been good to see them in fourth place, getting in the mixer a bit. Um, uh, you mentioned it there, though, Jonesy. Uh, West Ham's game. I'll just run through the league table first. So, West Ham are sixth after five games with eight points above Aston Villa in seventh. Uh, and then behind Brighton in fifth on nine points, Man United in fourth on ten points, Tottenham a third. Tottenham are flying actually after a mediocre campaign last season. Yeah, Tottenham third on twelve points, uh, level with Chelsea in second on the same points, and Arsenal, West Ham's next league opponent, sitting pretty in first place, five uh, wins from their five games played, only conceded two goals, scored nineteen. So uh, yeah, storming. Uh, their way through the league so far this season. Arsenal, yeah. West Ham open um, their WSL Cup, the League Cup campaign tomorrow away at London City, seven o'clock kickoff. That is at Prince's Park. Uh, Jonesy, that's another one of those. We're in a we're in a group there with Birmingham, Brighton, and London City. Our uh, Conti Cup group. Uh, top two is who qualify. You'd hope we got enough to get out of that, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, they should do. They
1: should do. They should get out of there.
0: I think um, you you wonder whether I know the games a little bit more spread out uh, for the women this season. Um, so mm. there's there's less, and it's especially not being in Europe as well, and there's, there's less onus on trying to kind of pick and choose which which, which competition you want to kind of prioritise. But I think. You, you, Ollie Harder can afford to go for this and, and, you know, continue or keep up the form that they're in in WSL. So, and you fancy him to get out of that group, no problem. And so, yeah, I think they're, they're clear favourites there, definitely.
1: Excellent run to the semi-finals as well last season, wasn't it? Obviously got walloped by Chelsea, but an in Chelsea, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, London City in the league below. And I think we saw last season, Jonesy, didn't we, playing against uh, the teams in that division below. The golf is... Considerable, isn't yeah. it, between the quality that West Ham and those WSL teams have got in comparison to the ones uh, in the Championship? Birmingham, you hope that we get our act together and uh, manage to overcome them in the league games as well. And then it's probably, to be honest, it's a bit of a toss up, isn't it, with Brighton? We become first or second, but it'd be nice to see. It's one of those, it's just the winning feeling, isn't it? If you you can get wins on the board, it just boosts confidence in the whole club and it's good feelings all round, isn't it? Yeah, I
0: saw that last season on occasion where you know, I think they, they went on that sort of really poor run of, run of form where they couldn't get a win and then mm. picked up the first win and then it was three games unbeaten all of a sudden and you know, that r- r- rampant win against, uh, I think it was Reading last season actually.
1: Yeah, that that's it, it Preston, this didn't
0: they? Yeah, and that, that set them on their way and then they, they go into the season with a bit of confidence and a bit of form and so yeah, yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to get some get some wins, take a bit of confidence into the league fixtures. Um see with the the Arsenal game coming up, that's gonna be really, really difficult. We've got Tottenham coming up as well. So picking up wins in this competition is gonna be massive, purely for morale more than anything, but go deep into the competition and happy days.
1: Yeah, two two right, mate. Yeah, so you mentioned it there, there's a bit of a break. After uh, tomorrow, so that's Wednesday night, the London City game is in the Cup. After that, there's a bit of a significant break. Uh, it's the 6th of November, West Ham's next game. That is away at Arsenal in the WSL. Arsenal absolutely flying, as we've mentioned. Then home to Reading on the 14th. Uh, the next round of the Conti Cup against uh, Birmingham. That's away to Birmingham November the 17th before they welcome Tottenham. Uh, to Dagenham for that WSL game on the twenty-first of November. Uh, yeah, disappointing not to get the point, mate, but as we try and do with with the men's team as you've mentioned there, to think macro and to think bigger. Ollie Harder doing an absolutely phenomenal job with the girls at the moment and to be sitting in in you know fifth uh, fifth, sixth place in the league after sorry, sixth place in the league after five games, get a bit confused there. To be sitting sixth after five uh, only lost one game, two wins, two draws, compared to what was going on last season when Ollie took over. Great turnaround in a great time frame, and uh, yeah, you've got to, got to applaud everyone involved with the club, haven't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been incredible given what he took over, uh, the form that we're in, um, and it was always going to be a massive job for him given what Matt Beard had done before and. Uh, obviously taken to an FA Cup final previously and stuff like that and it all seemed to go a little bit stale yeah a huge huge change in personnel since he's arrived mm. you know a lot of players left in the summer but a lot of players have come in he's obviously trying to build his own squad there and clearly getting them um, to jail quick as well isn't he getting them get him to jail quick got rid of a quite a few players but uh, replaced them all with with you know a, a good a good squad and you know, you can't you can't do better than that at the moment. So you know, I think this season was always about just ensuring there's no no other relegation battle. Nice, you know, nice easy season, no worries, nice and solid, and then use that hopefully as a as a way of you know as a way of pushing forward. But um, the job he's done so far has been superb, and I don't think many people saw it coming after the, the initial start that he had.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. Delighted for him as well and everyone involved with in the club uh, pushing in the right direction. So uh, yeah, congrats to the girls. A little bit of a of a blip, but a, a win away at City and a draw at home to Birmingham. Four points out of those two games is more than anyone would have expected before. So you've got to take your hats off to the girls for that and good luck in that League Cup game away at London City on Wednesday. That is pretty much it for another week on the We Are West Down podcast. It's me, Will Pew, and James Jones with you this week. of a Retro, old school field, been great having Tony Scott. But to stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts next. <laughs> well, Josie, that has been a very enjoyable podcast this week. A little bit more slower paced because we had the international break. Uh, we've got talked some absolute random. Uh, threads at some point fashion we've covered the Newcastle Europa League all got a bit deep and a bit heavy then Uh, Tony Scott on was great from uh, the all of uh, Together Everton podcast brilliant having him on for the opposition view the betway charity bets as well and then that little roundup for the West Ham women then what I'm delighted to see Jonesy of course is that last week of course uh, I was just talking about how well I'm doing at fantasy and given it's international break, nothing's happened at all. So I'm still doing really well at fantasy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I just felt sorry for you a little bit. I'll give you another week of just sitting, sitting pretty. And yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve, mate. I'm coming for you. <laughs>
1: tricks up your sleeve indeed uh yeah don't forget you can if you fancy joining that league you can uh, the we are west ham listener league in uh, around 450 of you in there at the moment Uh, the code is or1wuc that's the letter o r1wuc that's the fpl official fantasy premier league game if you want to join the listener league where I think I'm sitting about fourth out of 450 which James absolutely hates so if you want to get involved you can uh Josie before we do the last little bit of uh of housekeeping tell people where they can follow us and all that sort of thing uh give us some final thoughts then on the podcast the international break the game West Ham have got coming up and then an extremely busy period for the club oh, it's
0: been a good a good episode I think um these ones are always difficult because, uh, yeah, you've got a game to look forward to, but nothing's happened for for ten days. So, uh, thankfully, uh, Newcastle got bought out and we had something to talk about. Um, and, we got an <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: e- and we got an awards evening on on Thursday, so now everyone knows your fashion sense. So, um, yeah,
1: exactly. So
0: yeah, no, it's, it's been a good week. Uh, it's good to see that. You no know, touch wood. All the players come back from international duty, fit and ready to go for a busy October. We have some massive games coming up: Tottenham coming up, City coming up, obviously Everton this weekend, and a small matter of trying to go three wins out of three in the Europa League next Thursday. So, loads to look forward to. Uh, been a been there, been a good chat, and um, hopefully we can secure West Ham's first trophy since 1980 on Thursday night.
1: <laughs> West Ham's first trophy since 1980.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, West, you know, we're West Ham podcast is up, <laughs> up for a trophy. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's if I was thinking the other day, up. I was thinking the other day, if we do win it, if we do win it, then obviously Betway are involved. Hmm. Technically, it's West Ham's second, uh, first trophy since we won the Betway Cup back in August. And Betway are literally single handedly, yeah, you know, they our trophy up, cabinet
1: <laughs> in the dream. Yeah. Their trophy cabinet is enormous, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, let just, uh, we'll obviously let you know how we get on on Thursday, but it's an honour just to be nominated, as, as James said, against some giants of the uh, football podcast game. So we'll have an enjoyable evening on Thursday, probably worth figuring out exactly where it is. First of all, James, uh, and then making sure, as we discovered off air that um, we don't wear the exact same outfit as it turns out we were planning Uh busy time for West Ham on the, pitch as well. That away game at Everton this Sunday. Be Great to get a point there. Followed by Genk at home on Thursday the 21st of October for Tottenham come to London Stadium Sunday the 24th. Man City at home in the League Cup on the 27th for we go to Aston Villa on Halloween. Busy, busy time indeed. Do not forget that you can follow We Are West Ham on all of our social media platforms. We're at We Are Underscore West Ham on Twitter, but we are West Ham pod on instagram just search we are west ham podcast on facebook do the same on youtube and you can see the videos uh, on both of those platforms subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already give us five stars write us a little review and more importantly pass the pod on tell your friends about us send them a link if you're in the pub or whatever having a chat about what me and jonesy have covered and uh, give them a nudge and tell them to download and subscribe if they haven't already. Good stuff for West Ham at the moment. Ninth in the Premier League, little bit of a break on the internationals for a very, very busy, very busy period. Indeed, we're still first in our Europa League group. I'm still fourth in Minor Josie's fantasy group. So all is well in East London. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for any of you who voted for us in the podcast awards on Thursday. Up the hammers. West Ham are massive. We'll see you next week are you, are you, This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week In this week's draw you can win a signed and framed Tony Cotty shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 65 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Rama, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Souffaut for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out.
0: Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.